Welcome to the Kettle Call Podcast. We are studying another career call today. Uh, it's a guest that, that I've tried to talk for, for a little bit. We finally found a time to talk to him. So before I call our guest, let me go ahead and call Brooke. Hello, Brooke. Hi, Pedro. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. Is it a good time for a call? It's always a great time for a cattle call. <laughs> great. So today we have uh, Dr. Jared Jaborek, uh, and it's he works as an extension specialist, beef uh, beef extension specialist in Michigan State University. So he can talk more about his current job. So hello, Jared. How are you? Hi, Pedro. I'm doing well. How are you? Is everything okay up there? Yep. Okay. So thank you very much for for accepting uh, our invitation. Uh, and we we usually start with very simple questions. I, I tell people, like I, I repeat this every single podcast, that those are the questions that you cannot miss. After that, you can just lie and talk about anything like that. So uh, can you tell us a little bit like um, where you're from and what do you do and where do you live? What is your current job? Yeah, so where am I from? Uh, that's a uh, little bit of a long question. Uh, once you get into the professional careers, you kind of bounce around a little bit. I'm originally from central Wisconsin. Uh, grew up in a small town of Vesper uh, near Wisconsin Rapids. Um, from there, I lived in rural falls a little bit once I went to college. That was in Wisconsin as well. And then from there, I lived in Ohio for a little bit to do my master's and PhD at Ohio State University. And after that, I got a job with Michigan State University Extension. And so that's where I'm currently at. I am currently based out of a county office, Sanilac County, um, which is in the thumb of Michigan on the east side, about uh, 30 minutes from the east shore, if you will. Um, so that's kind of where I'm located and where I've been. Um, so like I said, I, I work for Michigan State University Extension. I am the beef feedlot educator. I've been in this role now almost two years, I believe, in September. Perfect. That's great. Yeah. So I'm, I probably misunderstood, misspelled like the title of your position now at the beginning, but I'm glad that you uh, say that that correct now. But like you mentioned, you grew up in in Wisconsin. You went to school in Wisconsin. I'm always interested to learn and 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 hear from you. How did you get involved in agriculture, and why did you decide to go to an animal science career? Yeah, so I, I've kind of been around cattle my entire life. Um, when I was younger, my grandparents on my mom's side of the family um, had a dairy farm. They had Holstein cattle um, in a stanchion barn that they milked. So I spent a lot of time with my siblings at the farm growing up once we, when we were younger. Um, I loved being on a farm, playing, doing chores, whatever it was. So when you're around, you pick up all, all that information from feeding cattle, milking cows, just all that. Obviously, being around cattle, um, got involved in 4-H and we start, my siblings and I, we start showing uh, dairy heifers, calves, because obviously they were smaller, we could handle them. So you just get attached to cattle that way. Um, my family um, eventually got some Simmental beef cattle when I was also fairly young. So we had our own cattle at our own place. Um, 
So I've always had cattle around. Eventually, um, I switched over to showing some of our own beef cattle and showing market steers at our county um, fair as well. So fairly large county fair, um, but that was always a blast. So always around cattle in that regard. Um, so that was a huge influence on me. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older through high school, um, start participating in FFA, um, had a lot of friends from, uh, the fair. Um, so all that kind of tied together. I, I thought I wanted to do something with cattle. I really enjoyed cattle. Well, mm-hmm. Maybe like a lot of young people, they don't know what some of the careers are. Um, my initial thought was, well, I need to go be a veterinarian. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to milk cows the rest of my life. I always hear dairy farmers complain about the low milk prices that they don't make enough money for how hard they work. Okay. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, vets, they make a lot of money, right? Well, (laughs) so that was going to be my plan for a little bit, you know, go, go to school and work with cattle because I enjoyed cattle and hopefully make a decent wage. So off I went to the University of Wisconsin River Falls, which is was about two and a half hours northwest of where I grew up, mm-hmm. close to the Minnesota border. Um, and from there, I enrolled in a animal science program or as a major in animal sciences um, with a meat animal emphasis. Um, and I was also in the pre-vet program there as well. So on the pre pre-vet uh, curriculum, a um, lot more of a science-based curriculum. Um, so, yeah. So, and, and it's, uh, I have two questions here right now. I was the first, the first one is like you, you grew up being, it's, it's interesting. You're like how much this dairy from a grandfather, like not only a dairy, a farm from a grandfather has influenced a lot of people that we've talked about and even myself uh, back home. And so when you went to school, were you all like also interested in working with dairy or how, how you made the transition to the meat science? Like what, what, what made you interested on that? And, and the second question you can maybe just, uh, answer both together is when you decided that wasn't the vet school that you were going to go and 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 were you exposed to research during undergrad how how did that ha- that happen those are good questions Pedro that <laughs> I was just about to get to actually yeah. um, so that's a good segue uh, in here um, so at that point when I had started my undergraduate uh, career. I I didn't know that I was going to go just w- work with beef cattle or dairy cattle or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So during my career at River Falls, um, I it was towards the later ha- like one of the last two years. Actually, I think it might have been my senior year. So mm-hmm. I was already invested in like, okay, I'd been doing job shadowing to become a vet. Um, thought that I still maybe wanted to do that. Well, we got a new beef production professor at River Falls, Dr. Amy Reduns. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had a big influence on me. She, so I saved some of my best classes till my senior year. I had beef production management and I had feedlot management, uh, both 
in my last year. Um, so that was, I believe, fall semester and then spring semester before graduation. I think maybe before my senior year, I had also started participating in what was called our meat animal evaluation course, which is kind of a combination of livestock judging and meat judging, kind of maybe a little different from some of the larger schools that have uh, separate teams for each. Ours was kind of combined. So um, did some of that, which I, I really enjoyed. You got to do the live animal evaluation and then do the carcass animal eval. Um, but then it was the influence from Dr. Redun's um, for me that kind of pushed me to kind of change career paths from maybe going to be a vet. I think I actually, I did apply, I think, to only one school. I think it was to the University of Wisconsin-Madison for uh, to go to vet school. Um, but at that time, Dr. Redun's was kind of encouraging me to pursue maybe some other alternative careers in animal sciences, um, particularly with beef cattle, because I, I really enjoyed beef cattle. I mean, like I said, as I was getting older in high school, I started showing, I, I was able to train um, my own calves from the farm, do all that work and steers and stuff like that with minimal help from my parents, because I, I, they were busy. So it was stuff that I had to do myself. Um, so I started to do more of the beef stuff, gain more of an interest in the beef stuff. Eventually, my grandparents, I believe, um, maybe when I had just started um, college or maybe just before they had got rid of the dairy farm. So I kind of was starting to become disconnected from that side. Um, so that's kind of where I started to shift to the beef. I really enjoyed the feedlot management class that Dr. Rudd Duns taught. And actually, it was... The summer after my senior year of undergraduate, I decided to work with Dr. Redunds as a research assistant mm. on a research project at the beef farm there at River Falls. I think we were we were researching different protein sources, whether it was corn or distiller's grain for beef heifers that were fed chopped hay or something like that, uh -huh. looking at different um, conception rates or fertility rates. So managing that project gave me a glimpse into what research was all about. Cool. And actually, while I was there, I was able to meet uh, Dr. Francis Fluhardy. Okay, that's, yeah, I was going to ask. You'll hear his name here in a little bit, quite a bit, actually. And then I actually had the privilege of attending the NCC 308 group. Um, their annual meeting was hosted um, by the University of Minnesota that year. So that's not really far from River Falls. So uh, Dr. Fluhardy and Dr. Duns actually um, invited me along. So I got to meet all the, the cool beef professors or feedlot professors um, and see what kind of research they were doing and kind of compare that to what I'd been doing that summer. And at that point, I, I, I loved it. I, I got to work with cattle every day. I mean, we we're, you know, weighing them, breeding them, feeding them as, as tedious it is, as it may be <laughs> for some, I, I mean, that's the work that I grew up loving. So, yeah, um, that might've been the hook, line and sinker for me. Um, that experience right there set me down a completely different career path. So from there, 
yeah, I did that project and I was looking for jobs, um, Mm -hmm. looking for jobs. And actually I think I was considering grad school. I see. At at this time, vet school was already out of. At at that time I said, you know what, I'm not going to do vet school. Uh Um, I don't think I got accepted to the one um, place that I applied to either. I kind of said, you know what, I'm not going to pursue that anymore. Um, I'm going to look for something else. So I was, I was always interested in AI genetics or looking at bulls and stuff. Uh I I feel like maybe a lot of people are that work with cattle, like all the breeding up, um, matings and stuff like that, especially people that maybe show cattle are like, Oh, uh-huh. I can do it better than the next guy or something like that. I was really interested in that. I really enjoyed my reproduction class. Mm-hmm. I had um, Dr. Justin Luther at River Falls as my professor. And I really enjoyed his class. So I thought maybe repro genetics, something like that. Mm-hmm. Reached out to a few professors um, about some potential opportunities. Um, didn't really go where I was thinking. Dr. Redunz, meanwhile, was trying to influence me to pursue a nutrition career. Okay. Um, at that time, I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I ended up uh, getting a job then for a year at a small meat um, processor. Okay. Mon Pa type shop, uh, about half hour south of River Falls. So close enough that I could just drive down there. I worked there for about a year. Um, while I was there, we did, we did cattle, hogs, sheep, um, bison. We did some deer in the fall. Um, and, and occasionally these, I believe there's some poultry in there as well. So and these all after graduation. What so this you- was after I graduated. Yep. After the summer, after so this was a summer after graduation because I was a research assistant for that first summer with um, Dr. Redunz. Cool. And, and yeah, that's nice. And I mean, there are a lot of things here that we see a, a pattern here that we're going to go back to that later. Uh, so you went to work for the industry for about a year is, is what you're saying. And, and what made you decide to come back to academia? And, and you already mentioned that you went to, I don't know if you already mentioned, but I, I know that you, you went to, to Ohio State, but and this because of this connection with uh, Francis and Amy. But how, how was that? Like you went, you were exposed to the industry. What made you come back to academia or grad school, I would say? Yeah, well, like I said, I really enjoyed the research side of things. And it's not that I didn't enjoy cutting meat. I really do enjoy cutting meat. Mm-hmm. that is a very tedious process. If you're just sitting on the trim table or you're just preparing cuts, sometimes I wasn't really able to get out on to the, the slaughter floor, um, which is one thing that I really wanted to do. I wanted to also be taught how to break down a beef carcass all mm-hmm. by myself and kind of run that for them, which I never really got the opportunity. I was breaking down um, pig carcasses because um, I could do it quick enough. And, but, that was a pretty fast placed place. So um, I don't know at that point, it, it just wasn't for me. Um, uh-huh. I didn't see a lot of um, advanced opportunities to advance. Um, so it was a good starting job. I learned a lot, met some mm-hmm. great people, um, but I 
still in the back of my mind, like, what else can I do? So Uh I think I had actually thought about some other industry jobs, maybe possibly going to be a um, artificial insemination technician. I Mm -hmm. actually got certified or trained um, at uh, by CRI or Gen X. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe it was over spring break, my senior year, River Falls had a nice program where you could go learn to do that. So I think I was considering a job doing that. Um, but ultimately what happened, um, I stayed in contact with Dr. Francis Fluharty. He had an opportunity um, to do some a master's project. Um, it was kind of spur of the moment, last minute, um, right before classes were supposed to start. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I... I have some funding to do some crossbred Jersey or beef on Jersey research. Are you interested? So I I jumped at the opportunity, moved to Columbus, uh, Ohio. Um, They're at Ohio state's main campus. And then I pursued a master's master's in animal sciences. So that's kind of how I switched careers, I guess. Um, just wanted to do something different, see if that different path was, if that was going to be good for me. Um, I knew that just at that small mom and pa shop, the advancement opportunities for me weren't what I wanted. So I looked uh, for some other opportunities. That's good. And then when you start, so you, you just looking for another opportunity, then were you thinking about a PhD at that time or just said, let's see what's, what's going to happen. And, and No, I, I was not thinking about a PhD at that time. I, I was thinking, well, I'll consider a master's um, and that should open the door for more job opportunities, at least. Um, in Wisconsin, it's it's known as a dairy state, right? Yeah. It's not known as a beef state, uh, one of the leading producing beef states. So it's like, what are the opportunities for me to work with beef cattle in this state? Like, I, I kind of wanted to stay close to home and what are the opportunities? Well, they're pretty few and far between. So mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe a little bit more training will help me maybe get a position that's a little bit further up in an in industry that will pay a little bit better, but still allows me to stay connected to the beef industry. That's, that's um, good. So yeah, that's why I went and got a master's. It's fun. I, I had the same, same idea when I did my master's and then but what you made? What made you decide to stay for a PhD? Like, like was the same thing? I said, okay, I like what I'm doing, and I can see a better career, like yeah. further. Like, I or or you really love what you were doing? Like, or you're asking more questions? What made you decide to stay? Probably a few of those things that you mentioned there. Well, Francis, I don't know if it's a trick or what, but. I ended up getting to Ohio state and I was supposed to be working with these Jersey crossbreds and well, come to find out we didn't get the calves. The cows didn't get bred to produce the calves when we were supposed to. So the timing got <laughs> set way back. So there I am already in classes uh, one semester done, at least already, maybe one and a half done still not doing any research, no, no, no project to work on. Yeah. So that's when I got the surprise. Oh, well, we're going to give you a sheep project. (laughs) So not having any sheep background, I got to work with some other professors um, at Ohio state as well um, as part of my committee. And we did um, 
a sheep flavor, well, a sheep nutrition, sheep feeding, meat characteristic flavor profile. Really big study looking at different energy sources, energy levels, um, different sexes of lambs and how that affects the flavor of lamb meat or sheep meat. Mm -hmm. So that ended up being my master's. Meanwhile, we eventually did get the calves for the Jersey study. So about the time I finished my master's, we had one year's worth of cattle finished that we ended up raising in individual pens. Well, we were going to do two years. So it was in order to finish that up, what I was already committed to, it, I, I had to stay. And um, at that point, I, I loved every everything that I was doing. Um, cool. Just the being able to have a question, learn how to go out there and find the answer or develop an experiment so that you can figure out the answer, stuff like that is what I I really like doing. I, I love doing that stuff. So that was um, at that point, it's like, yeah, I'll stay and I'll do a PhD. So I stuck around um, Ohio State working with um, Dr. Fluhardy and we had these jerseys um, on feed at that time, continuing that project. Like I said, it was we already had um, half of that done. Um, and then it was um, time to kind of figure out what the PhD was going to be about. Yeah. Um, other than that, because it was half done, they're like, well, that was kind of a master's project. Uh, you need a, something a little bit more for a PhD. So um, at that point, um, I had done a lot of reading on um, marbling development, and mm-hmm. it, it's quite influential in how we price cattle. Mm-hmm. And I think that has become even more obvious since my time in school to what we experience in today's market. And so I ended up studying marbling development um, in cattle for my PhD. Um, Which, Dr. Fuhardy ended up taking a position um, elsewhere. And so at that, then I um, switched uh, professors. So my major professor was Dr. Alejandro Relling. He was up at uh, Worcester campus as well. So um, a lot of video conversations um, about research for these guys with these guys. Yeah, no, that's that's very cool. And and uh, what you experience not, I would say, uncommon in grad school. Like you start with one idea, and then you have to be flexible on changing the the project and things like that. And like you you thought that you will be working with cattle, then you had to switch back to sheep. And then you finally like went back yeah. and, and stayed for a PhD to do what what you ended up in doing. But now as a PhD student, yeah. I had to switch advisors. Things happen. Like it's probably preparing you for for life. <laughs> uh, yeah. And in, in research, if there's something that can go wrong, you, you kind of have to prepare for the worst. It, anything that can go wrong, be prepared for it because it could happen. You you learn to troubleshoot and work around problems to come up with solutions. How how are you gonna get around this? How, how can you still get your work done? So it, there's a lot of life lessons that you learn from being a graduate student. Obviously, I mean, you still have to dedicate your time to your studies. You're always learning. Um, if you don't like learning, it's probably not for you. That I mean, that's what it's all about is going out there and figuring out the answers to questions and stuff like that. So it's it, it was a great opportunity. It's it's really cool. Yeah. It. yeah, exactly. And 
Uh, that reminds me one thing that I like. It's when we are recording this podcast, the one that we recorded with Dr. Lurch, then he mentioned something that actually Brooke used that is more like when we had a high school students presenting uh, something for us today. Uh, and one thing that Steve told us on his podcast is that instead of asking uh, his students what they've learned doing some research, what is the next question? What, how can you answer? Like, how can you raise questions and things like that? I, and I, I agree with you, like grad school is, it's about thinking and, and troubleshooting and what is next and, and thinking uh, like that. Yeah. Uh, and, there's and always then, questions. There's yes. always questions. It's just a matter of okay, now we need to find the answers. Have yeah. they been are the answers out there yet? If not, okay, well, then that can lead to some potential research. Quite often we will see something was done in 19 something, like okay, then we have the excuse that cattle genetics change and things like that, so we can do it again. Uh oh yeah. So, so then uh, you finished a PhD, and but you stayed involved in the university. How can you tell us a little bit more about like your current job, and and your, especially you were heavily involved in extension. Were grad school preparing you for that? Were you thinking about doing that? And how how has been this transition between like thinking and now you are dealing a lot with producer? Like, can you share because a lot of times. Even myself, like we go to research, like we were just talking about research, answering questions. And sometimes we are not heavily involved with the, I would say, real world. But then you get an extension job and you face a lot of those uh, things that the producer is seeing uh, on a daily basis. How How is your job and how how were you prepared for that or how you, how much you had to adapt to it? Yeah, that's a great question, Pedro. Um Grad school prepares you for the academic side very well. I mean, along the way, or for some programs, you're required to do some teaching. You're you're required to be in that classroom. You you've been in a classroom for so long. You kind of understand. Okay, you've gave presentations. You know what teaching's like. Um, part of that is. Um, doing scientific presentations or interacting at scientific conferences. You go present your research, um, tell other people what you learned. That's, that's partially what extension really is, Mm -hmm. is we're sharing information with other people. So in that regard, that helps prepare you. Um, The research side, like I said, you've been doing that through grad school. I mean, you understand what that is. Then the extension part is working with, a different group of people than what you've been used to. But I think growing up in that agricultural background really helped me or it, it really wasn't any different for me in the sense that I get along great with all these people. I mean, a good day for me when I get to go out on a, on a farm and help someone, or we do some troubleshooting or we're talking about um, changing up diets or something like that, or what, what they could do different to help better their operations. I mean, those are good days for me. And those are good conversations, fun conversations. So I think that extension part of just communicating with other uh, beef producers just kind of came natural and was just, is just an enjoyment for me. Um, but I would say that there's other opportunities potentially out there. Um, Dr. Fluarty, he had a, a 100% research appointment, but yet he still taught classes. Um, at Ohio State. And he did a lot of extension. He was on the road all the time helping other 
beef producers out there um, on their operations and giving um, extension talks. So I have I seen them um, in action, if you will. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, it when you're a student, it's not like you, you do that so much um, unless you've been given the opportunity. So if there are opportunities as a student, I think uh, I wish maybe looking back, I could have jumped on them or mm-hmm. took advantage of those opportunities if they were there. Um, taking advantage of maybe programs that are put on at the university, um, helping out with, say, maybe you have, uh, we did a B509 course is what it was called. So it brought in produce, beef producers, um, talked about procuring cattle. How much cattle do you get back? How, how much beef do you get back um, once you buy it? Go through the cutting process, the fabrication process with them. Um, just talking about beef in general and educating those producers. Um, I was able to be involved in stuff like that. So that those experiences, I think, are are very helpful for someone that is um, thinking about possibly going into extension. That's 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 great. That's great, and uh, that's good to know. But and but today your your daily job, like you said, your you do go to a farm. You do sit down with a producer. You have like conversations about management decisions and things like that diet decisions that's that's how it looks like pretty much or, or you do, do I, I wish it was a daily occurrence that i was on farms um maybe in the future it will be but um not as much as i'd like um you think about it a lot the producers that i work with for many of them this has been their career mm-hmm. they maybe grew up doing this or they've been doing this for a number of years so at this point they've they have enough experience or knowledge that's gotten them so far or they've been so successful. So sometimes it's until they have a problem, they don't necessarily reach out. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they come to programming um, events that I put together for presentations and whatnot, and they can learn something new. They're like, yeah, I haven't heard that. That's great. And we have conversations there. Question, you know, they ask questions, we answer them, stuff like that. Um, everyone's able to talk in the audience and you kind of bounce ideas off each other. That stuff's great, but there's other people that there's other resources out there or they've been doing it for so long. They don't necessarily reach out all the time. So sometimes there's quiet periods, I I would say. Um, But during those quiet periods, I mean, it's not like uh, you can't find stuff to do. You're always preparing for the next program. You're always writing the next article that can provide them a, little bit of knowledge. Maybe I want to process my corn. Maybe I want to feed a different percentage of corn in my ration. I mean, there's so many things that some people fail to consider. Um, and and, and then, there's probably some paperwork that we are not expecting to to deal with when you were in grad school that you have to do now. <laughs> yeah, that's my least favorite um, part about my job is maybe the... Um, administrative type work trainings and yeah, just paperwork, but the other stuff, I mean, um, nutritional consulting, um, building diets, um, writing those articles, um, to help people. And then when you field those calls or you're asked to come out and take a look at operations and offer them advice and stuff like that, though, that's the, that's a fun part. That's That's, a fun part. That's great. Uh, I think I've asked pretty much before we go to our final questions. I have only one question that you, you, you mentioned just, it's kind of tied up. You just mentioned like giving a, a producer an advice and, and 
maybe I missed to ask in this past episodes, but it's a question that I used to ask more when we first started. Uh, you you mentioned the importance of some mentors that you had, like Amy and then Francis and even Alejandro later on. Uh, and I always ask, how do you feel, how much important were those mentors in your career? And how, how like, like we've talked before, there are some students listening to us. How do you advise students seeking for those mentors and looking for them uh, while they're in school? I think those mentors are extremely important. Um, I could probably even rattle off other people too that have been extremely influential, but it's those people, you find people that you really enjoyed learning from that you can have a relationship with and, you know, go to and ask questions and continue to learn and they're willing to help you. I mean, that's, that, that's really important. Life is about the people that, you know, they open opportunities for you. It's a networking um, opportunity where you, you get to meet new people. They provide you with new opportunities. Um, and that's ultimately gives you different options, different road paths that you can go down. I, I look back now and if maybe if I would have done some more internships or done some internships, um, I spent most of my summers trying to make money to pay for college. But if I would have went and done some internships, maybe been willing to branch out and travel a little bit more, um, maybe I'd be doing something different. Maybe, maybe I'd be working somewhere different. I think those relationships, those networking relationships that you make, um, that they can point you in so many different directions. And that's one thing. I mean, even in grad school, going to scientific meetings, um, meeting different professors, meeting other grad students. I mean, obviously that's, that's how we met Pedro. So yeah. it's, it's a, uh, it's great being able to make new friends that you'll have the rest of your life and you'll be able to call up and you can ask questions and you never know what uh, opportunities might present themselves down the road. That's, that's nice. That like, you mentioned something I, I like, I have to go back and listen. Like, uh, like the, the people that you meet is, is it's what's going to take you in your life and something like that. And I, I'm 100% agree with that. Uh, that's very nice. Do you have any question, Brooke, right now, or I can just jump to our three final questions? I think you can jump to the final questions. <laughs> okay. So we have uh, very quick uh, questions now. It's it's just to know a little bit about more about yourself. It's uh, three quick questions that I usually ask. Sometimes I add another one randomly, but uh, <laughs> what, what is what is your favorite food? See, that's a tough question. Um, I really like steak and maybe that's a very generic question or answer that a lot of people give. Um, I am picky when it comes to steak. Um, I can probably picture like my favorite steaks still to this day. Um, one of them probably was at a steakhouse um, when I went to that first NCC 308 meeting. Um mm. That was had to be somewhere in the Twin Cities. And I remember um, your old um, PhD advisor, uh, Dr. Tara Felix, giving me a hard time how fast I ate mine. But I remember that was my <laughs> best steak for the longest time um, until I tried Wagyu steaks um, from my PhD project. Um, very good. And, um, and also, um, what's that? 
Were they, were you the one cooking them? Yeah, we cooked a number of them. Yes, they were good. Yes. Um, there's a period where if you do any kind of um, Warner Bratz or Sheer Force or sensory work, so I did a bunch of sensory work for lamb, um, and then we did some Warner Brotzler sheer uh, force work with uh, some of the um, cattle work that I did. And you get a little tired of that smell after you cook steaks for so long. But even though, I mean, they're still really good, um, I had the opportunity to be a teacher's assistant for a barbecue science class um, with Dr. Mike Cressman at Ohio State. And um, that's a really fun when you can uh, learn all these little techniques on how to grill a little bit better. Um, also learning about sous vide was um, really, really neat. There was actually a grad student um, that was doing a project on that at the time when I was at Ohio State. So I had to go get one for myself and that has changed uh, the state cooking game, I think as well. That's that's neat. Yeah, I mean, we, we probably are between now steaks and, and Mexican food. That's Ooh. that's that's what people like usually next. answer, uh, and, but usually they. No one steak. says ice cream. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I don't think anybody has said ice cream. That's uh, well. We we are all beef industry, so we we support our industry. No, and, yeah. yes, <laughs> the, yes. But but usually it's between steaks and and uh, and Mexican food. Uh, the I second question that. is: well, What is your favorite uh, type of song? Like, what is the song that usually plays in your radio or when you're traveling? Do you listen to something specifically? I grew up listening to country, so '90s country is my favorite. Um, I think once I got to college, started listening to a little bit more rock. So it'll either be rock or country at this point. Yeah, I usually yeah I used to to listen to rocks when I. When I had to clean a barn or something like that, then, but usually country, I, I listen to that a lot. Yep. It's funny uh, how a song can bring back really good memories. Yep. Uh, the last question, and you you kind of answered, answered this question as we were talking, but uh, just to be clear, what is something that you know today that you wish you knew when you were um, finishing school or starting school? like whatever, like that you wish you knew like five years or 10 years from now. Mm. That's tough. I think there's a lot of them. Um, whether I can remember all of them right now. I know, like I, you said, I, I mentioned a few already. I wish I would have done internships, stuff like that. Maybe even maybe branched out and done a PhD somewhere else, maybe. Um, stuff like that. Um, one thing that I think is, dictated a little bit of where I'm at is um, the pandemic when COVID out, uh, broke out. At that time, I had just finished my PhD and was looking for jobs. So I can't, I don't think I can remember how many jobs just said, nope, we're going on a hiring freeze. So all the opportunities that were lost to me, and this happened to be one that still stuck around. So um and yeah. here I am. So, I mean, it's sometimes it's timing and sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you don't. Um, if I would have known that was going to happen, maybe <laughs> I would have had a job lined up well in advance. Um, but um, that, that's an important thing to, yeah. Like be, yeah, we never, we never know what's going to happen next and, and how yeah. much that can, that's sometimes uh, 
yeah, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't have procrastinated so long. Um, should have figured out that job a little bit sooner. So for those grad students out there that are listening to this, f- find a job sooner than later. Um, so it was a good idea. That's good. Uh, one, like, and, and the last one, I, I, it's what do you see next in your, in your job? Like, what do you see? What is something that you see? Uh, I know we're probably going to talk a little bit in our next episode about beef on dairy, but what, and that can be your answer. I'm just say like, it's just an example. What do you see next in, in the beef industry in, in your field? <sighs> In my field or in my job specifically? Yeah, um, in the beef industry, let's say like that. That's open mm-hmm. question. It can be beef on dairy. I I I don't know. It's, That's tough. I think I think um, you and me have definitely been involved or we're being brought into the beef on dairy world. Obviously, that is a hot topic now here the last couple of years and probably will be for a little bit. Um, I think that'll present a, a lot of research and educational opportunities. So there's definitely going to be some work on that. Um, it's hard to say what the next fad might be um, or what what kind of turns we might take. Sometimes I think the evolution of the beef industry is just, it it's unnoticed. It's small, small changes. Mm-hmm. And who knows what kind of technology might be developed that's going to help us improve efficiency down the road but I wouldn't be surprised if there's something like that. So great. Um, yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. It me too. I'm curious to that. Hopefully we are part of this uh, <laughs> and, and you'll see. So last, uh, I, I just want to thank you again, Jared. It's, it's been fun. Like we, we were talking before we, we thought that would be quick, but actually it's, it's been a fun conversation and I just want to thank you. And I want to ask you our cattle call top tip. Is there, uh, and it's usually like we've talked before, it usually can be a book, a movie, song, podcast, uh, research paper, anything that you would like our listeners that are still with us right now, that they could go now and, and look for that. Uh, I mean, like I said, we've had podcasts, research paper, books, documentary, anything they would like to leave our listeners with. Is there anything like that? You would? I'm going to change it up a little bit, Pedro, because for me, I, I don't, I don't do much reading outside of research papers. Mm-hmm. Then again, I think there's so many research papers out there. Um, find one that you like to read or that is, I don't know, um, something that you need to read. I mean, there's always stuff out there to learn. So don't stop doing that. And then I pro- I don't watch much TV or movies or anything anymore besides the occasional YouTube video. But I think maybe my recommendation is to get out, get outside, maybe do a little fishing or I don't know if you like the outdoors. Um, I, I like going to the gym, stuff like that. I think get moving. Maybe, the, maybe this will encourage some people to, to move a little bit. We spend enough time uh, staring at the computer and all that Um that's, that's a very that's nice my advice. That's a very very nice advice. I like that. And and just before we finish, how can people like you mentioned you produce some articles and things like that? How can people find out about your work and if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, they can find uh, my contact information online. 
Um, if they look up Jared Jabork at MSU Extension, or if they go under their beef experts with MSU Extension, they should be able to find me. I have a, a profile page there that links all my related extension articles that I've written. I have some videos from some of the programs on there. Um, and then my contact information is there if they need to get a hold of me um, via phone or email. Be happy to talk with them. That's that's very nice. And do you have your webinars there as well? So usually um, event postings will be posted there. Um, typically, our feedlot educational series is over the winter months. Um, hopefully, we can get the best excuse me participation um, when our um, producers are out of the field. So um, that's usually when um, people can look for that if they're interested. Perfect. Okay. So yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Jared. Uh, Brooke, do you have any final question, anything? No, nothing from me. Okay, great. So thank you very much. We appreciate you being with us today. Uh, and we are looking forward to, to our next episode. For those of you who are listening to us and want to get a, uh, in contact or have any questions, all of the information is on the description of this episode. This podcast will be transcribed in our monthly newsletter, and you can find that uh in, in as well as in this description of this episode. Thank you very much and remember it's always a good time for a cattle call. The coyotes are howling, we out where the dog is bold. Where spurs are a jingling, a cowboy is singing this lonesome cattle call.